the third one, cannons into off stump. Well, and one country sinks to its knees and the other one jumps for joy as New Zealand's trump card makes his way back. Worst possible start for New Zealand and they're one for one. It was the moment the hearts of cricket fans sank. A summer of fine form and expectation shattered as the New Zealand cricket captain Brendan McCullum looked down at his trembling off stump. The Black Caps may have come up short in the World Cup final against Australia, but they inspired those watching like never before with their attacking brand of cricket and stunning success. Baseball bowls to him again, and this delivery is once more. Bowl him! New Zealand win the test! They haven't won since 1985 86. Martin Guthman, 213. Going to become the highest scorer in a cricket World Cup. Straight down the ground again. Pass mid off, long off, four runs. What does McCullum do with a 45 yard boundary? Straight, he throws the ball to Dan Vittori, he bowls a maiden and bowls the most extraordinary spell of, of yeah. you know, non-turning left-arm spin you've ever seen. <laughs> bowls to Elliot who hoists him down towards deep back on square leg. It's gone all the way for six. The crowd are cheering, they're urging New Zealand on here. This is what the last five and a half weeks have been about. I think you think of the last sort of six, seven weeks about what we've been through and to get to where we were yesterday and you know when we look at it in a whole we're, we're really proud of our efforts. It's our challenge, administrators and the cricket family, our challenge is how do we take advantage of the fervour that was built up and the following that was built up as a result of Cricket World Cup? I'm Max Toll, and Insight examines whether the national team's burgeoning form can translate into junior numbers on the cricket field come the summer. A little more than two years ago, New Zealand cricket was in turmoil. In December 2012, the organisation confirmed rumours that batsman Ross Taylor had been axed as the team's test captain and replaced with Brendan McCullum. Former players denounced the messy public handling of the affair. Ross Taylor's continuing captaincy has been in doubt since it emerged that coach Mike Hessen asked Taylor to stand down from the role prior to the Test Series against Sri Lanka. New Zealand cricket announced today Brendan McCullum will captain the side on their upcoming tour of South Africa after Taylor rejected a split captaincy option and has withdrawn from the side. The new New Zealand cricket captain, Brendan McCullum, says he has some work ahead of him to get the team together and focused following the debacle over the sacking of Ross Taylor. I'm more concerned at the moment with how the team's handling this situation and, and um, where, where we go from here, how we try and galvanise the unit rather than, I guess, moan and obviously worried for, for Ross and, and how he's dealing with things at the moment and obviously how we try and ensure that uh, we pull together this team inside a very short space of time. Defeats on the field failed to calm the storm. The Black Caps would slip to ninth in the world rankings and were bowled out for just 45 runs in one innings of their subsequent tour of South Africa, their third lowest test total. What an extraordinary performance. They've rolled them over. The Kiwis are gone for just 45 runs. They bowled out in less than 20 overs on the first day of a test match. Having won the toss and chosen to bat first is pretty much... It has to rank amongst the most disastrous days of New Zealand cricket. The team's head coach, Mike Hessen, says during that tour, the team hit its lowest point and change was needed. We sort of reached a point where we needed to define the way we wanted to play the game. We needed to, to break that down um, in terms of the, the, the style we played and the types of players we needed to, to fulfil those roles. So um, that was a, a real process and I think from that tour onwards, um, you know, we got to a point where with the last six test series we've uh, we've been undefeated. So, you know, you've sometimes you need a um, a moment like that to go, hey, we're actually at rock bottom here and we need to change. To be fair, there'd been a heck of a lot of performances leading up to that point that have been pretty disappointing. So, probably at that point is where we stripped everything back and we um, 
you know, we made some significant change. But Hessen, who was appointed six months earlier, says he always felt he was the right man for the job. I think, you know, when you enter the job, uh, you know, I hadn't played for New Zealand. Um, you know, there there always been a lot of history around the fact that, you know, you needed to have played a lot of international cricket to be able to coach. And I think the, uh, the international environment's changed a heck of a lot. And, you know, there are different skills that are required with different sides. And, you, you earn respect through performance, and that's, you know, that's what I tried to do. A year later, and the turnaround was beginning. New Zealand beat India in both home one day and test series. They would feature stunning double and triple centuries from McCullum. His 300 in the second test at Wellington's Basin Reserve was the country's biggest, and many would argue greatest ever innings. Here's Radio New Zealand's cricket correspondent Stephen Hewson's commentary of that famous moment. McCullum on 298, leans over his bat, Zahir, here, and he comes, bowls. McCullum cuts, it's gone through backward point. Brendan McCullum, 302. Brendan McCullum becomes the first New Zealander to score a triple test century. He stands bat aloft. 2014 would mark the turning point in the long road back for the Black Caps. <laughs> On Boxing Day, the country's newest cricket ground. Hagley Oval in Christchurch opened to glowing reviews in an entertaining defeat of Sri Lanka, in which McCullum again scored a double century. Canterbury Cricket Chief Executive and former Black Cap Captain Lee Jamon, who had fought for a new ground for more than ten years, says the fixture was an important moment for the city. He spoke to me in the Oval's showpiece pavilion, overlooking the pitch. For the Test match, the most striking memory I have is things on the third day of the Test match, where I sat with my family, actually down the southern end of the embankment, sat on the embankment for two sessions and watched um, cricket with my four children and my wife. And uh, to be honest, I enjoyed that a lot more than uh, being in the lounge. You know, it was, it was great to, to wander around and to, to see people enjoying it. And that first day, it was pretty tight in here. You know, we had 8,000 8, people, I think. Uh, it was reasonably tight, but they were good-natured. It was hot. Um, but there was a very positive feeling. People were happy, I think, coming to the ground um, being able to see international sport and international cricket back in our city. The Oval also played host to the opening game of this year's Cricket World Cup, which New Zealand jointly hosted with Australia. Until McCullum's duck in the Melbourne final, the tournament could not have gone better from the Black Caps' perspective. McCullum says the team's pride in their achievements will surpass any disappointment. Dramatic last-gasp wins over Australia and South Africa led the unbeaten side further than ever before as the nation rallied behind the team with its Back the Black Caps social media campaign. I'm really proud of the guys. I thought the way that we played throughout this tournament, the brand of cricket that we've played, the way that we've entertained people and I guess left nothing out there in, in terms of you know, the character and attitude on the field. You know, I think it's been one hell of a ride and something that, uh, that we'll remember for the rest of our lives. And It would have been great to have got the silverware. But it wasn't to be, but I think what we're able to achieve in this tournament will last for a long time. And New Zealand's World Cup operations manager, Gavin Larson, describes it as a stunning transformation of fortunes. I think if, if I roll back two years to when I started, and if you sat down and you tried to script out what the perfect World Cup would have been, you know, we only missed one part of the jigsaw, which was the Black Caps actually beating Australia in that final at the MCG. He says the World Cup has provided the sport an opportunity it must grasp. You know, I said right from the start that the legacy aspect of this Cricket World Cup is it's crucial. And it's, you know, whether, it, look, it was enormously successful, you know, the tournament itself. And it has given New Zealand cricket, I believe, a magnificent launching pad 
now you know in which to you know to drive off the back of the success of of the tournament and to you know really to, you know to push cricket um, upwards and out now for the next decade or two um, and there should be no reason in the slightest why we can't grasp this opportunity. That fervour was never more evident than when several hundred fans, some of whom had never followed cricket before, greeted the team at the cloud on Auckland's Queen's Wharf when they returned home from across the Tasman. It's really nice to be able to give them the send-off they deserve. Look, two years ago they got bowled all out for 45 against South Africa in a test, so they've come a long way and it's really good to see. It's been fantastic. They've uh, come a long way in a short period of time, so it's been, been really good. Hessen says he wants his players to be the best possible role models and has drawn plaudits for his team's sportsmanship. But he's also put an emphasis on playing aggressive, attacking cricket, something which appears to have grabbed the attention of even those who are normally neutral or even indifferent to the sport. The way we want to play our cricket is, is a brand of cricket that players, you know, spectators want to watch and players want to play. So, you know, hopefully if we do it that way and as we said we're playing the game in the right spirit, then, you know, we'll get next generations of cricketers from New Zealand. And that's, you know, that's not something you necessarily set out to achieve, but you hope, you know, the hope that, that you get that result. At Auckland Airport, hours before the Black Caps were due to fly to England for the start of the Test Series, Spin bowler Mark Craig spoke about the enthusiasm which has lifted the team. He says the new playing attitude has attracted new fans, and personally, he's never enjoyed his sport more. That's massively driven by Brendan and, and Michael. Um, I know Brendan's come out and said that if you get the culture right in the team, the results will look after itself, and I definitely think that the team culture at the moment that we've got here in the Black Caps is top-notch. It's the most fun I've ever had playing cricket, being a part of that, that environment. You've got everyone willing everyone to do well, and and everyone sort of supporting guys that might be struggling a little bit. But at the end of the day, we're all working towards that, that one common goal, and, and that's to, uh, to win games of cricket. In the past, the Black Caps have developed a reputation as being perennial also-rans. Canterbury Cricket's chief executive, Lee Jamon, was brought in as captain in 1995 after a disastrous season for the team, which featured several discipline problems. I was involved in teams, part of teams, where... There's no way in the world we could have said, look, we have fantastic uh, role models and examples for, for kids because we weren't. There were things going on, on and off the park that didn't support that. But it will take more than good sportsmanship and a few wins to reverse dwindling participation numbers for the sport. Figures from the Secondary School Sports Council show that in just the past three years, 17% fewer students are playing cricket. Numbers have been steadily declining and fell below 10,000 for the first time last year. That's fewer than badminton. The contrast with sports like basketball and football is huge. Both are twice as popular. In Lower Hutt, Taita College used to have three boys' teams and one girls' team. Now it has none. The school sports coordinator, Debbie Elliott, believes it relies on individuals championing the cause. For me, I think it almost hinges around there being a person here on site who's passionate about cricket, who can make it happen. We got a good girls team going and that was because we had a girls, uh, female staff member who was passionate about getting it going. And so she can shoulder tap the girls and say, come along, give it a try, you'll just have a go. You know, and actually the same thing's happened with hockey. We've had no hockey for four or five years and now I've got a staff member who's keen. It's almost what it takes to get them involved and once there's some involved, the others go, oh, that looks cool. We'll give it a go. And the length of matches also lacks appeal for the students. I think that in some ways kids just want to play less structured sport and so 
my example from my senior cricket team last year was a group of senior boys who really just wanted to get together and have fun. They just wanted to get out and hit the ball. So they would come along. I didn't hassle them about uniform. They just turned up in whatever they wanted. And I had the extreme of one player in his cricket whites and a helmet and the other player in a pair of khaki shorts and a singlet that had a slogan on the front. But they just loved it. And then they did football-style celebrations when they took a wicket. And they had a great time. And they actually played some reasonable cricket. Sitting above Eden Park's outer oval in the shadow of the main stadium, Auckland Cricket's chief executive Mark Cameron says schools no longer have the resources to cater for social players and instead focus on top teams. Schools, probably in more recent times, because of resources, because of the number of teachers involved and the facilities available, uh, and even parents involved, they've tended to concentrate more on the elite side of the sport. So, for example, your first 11 in your cult side, you know, your top sides, are well looked after at a lot of our schools. But when it comes to the social cricketer or the social sportsman, it's a lot more difficult for uh, schools to actually resource that, to find teachers, to find parents, to provide facilities for the social side of the game. And I think that's the challenge, and I think that that's where our club structure needs to head. It needs to um, embrace uh, and support, link in with those schools and take ownership for the, for the social cricketer or the social sportsman. The suburb's New Lynn Cricket Club tries to do just that. A little more than three years ago, the club's chairman, Ross Hick, oversaw the construction of a $1.6 million indoor training centre. As he showed me around, he said the centre has been a huge success and is an asset not just for the ardent cricketers. As you can see, we've got retractable lanes, so the football club used them during the winter on a Thursday night for training. The nets pull out, um, we've got five lanes with a bowling machine on the end, which the guys use pretty much all year round, or nine months of the year anyway. It's a good space, and we built it specifically so the bowlers could have full run-ups. A lot of indoor centres, the bowlers come off um, half run-ups and whatever. Um, we tried to make it so our, uh, the bowlers also got a decent facility to train in, and it wasn't just for the batsmen. Which teams use it? All teams, right through to our juniors, down to year five. Booked out from four to ten every night. He says the club's senior numbers have remained steady over the past few years, but is gradually losing juniors. He too is pinning a lot of hope on the effect of the World Cup. It's bringing in, as I said, the next generation, getting them, getting them interested in cricket. There's a lot of choices out there now for sports and what an 8 or 9 or 10 year old, what sport he wants to play. Cricket's a long game, it requires a lot of concentration, it takes up a lot of time. So you've got to have something that attracts those players to the game of cricket and I think that's the challenge for all clubs is to get people in. Once we get them in, once they get them loving the game, they'll stay and they enjoy it and they enjoy the, the product that's provided for them. I hope the World Cup has a huge effect. I think that the Black Caps being the profile for, for cricket in New Zealand, if they're successful, it will attract young people to the game. They'll get out in the backyard and start playing it. Once they're playing it in the backyard, they want to join a club, they'll come and join a club and they'll become successful at it. Mark Cameron says few children want to play cricket for much more than a couple of hours. That's why this season Auckland Cricket rolled out a new form of social cricket to schools called Cricket Blitz to coincide and capitalise on the World Cup. It's an eight-a-side game that mimics the rules of indoor cricket where every player gets to bat and bowl and it lasts just a couple of hours. This year, 170 new teams in Auckland took part. It's been a, a sport that had probably become the domain of the serious cricketer or the semi-serious cricketer. Kids of today are different to kids of 30 years ago. 
Uh, I mean, when I grew up, cricket was our summer game, and that was kind of it. But now, not only are, you know, are the touch rugbys and the softballs and the baseballs and the likes uh, creating their mark in the, in, the, in the summer period, but the winter codes are also, shall we say, moving into the summer space as well. I think from a social side of, side of things, from an entertainment spectacle side, um, I think the, the shortened version of the game is, is where we are heading, where we are now. Auckland Cricket's Chief Executive Mark Cameron points to the success of the Indian Premier League and Australia's Big Bash League as examples of how shorter forms of cricket have attracted new followers. During an evening at Wellington's Indoor Sports Centre, cricketers and netballers blend into one furious blur of colour. An administrator, Arahad Tanatiu, says indoor cricket is as popular as ever. The league has actually started when they start enrolling in drones. Um, obviously, dependent on the night and the amount of teams I have, limits to how many I can take at one time. So would you say you could have had more teams? Are you oversubscribed this year? We're definitely over, oversubscribed, as you put it. We can only cater for 32 teams. We currently host 41. I'm sure if I had another cricket court, I could cater for all the teams trying to come through. She says, based on the popularity of indoor cricket, she would happily contradict anyone who suggests the sport is dying. One of the players in action is Nal Arayawansa, who has lived in New Zealand for 20 years. I grew up in Sri Lanka, so cricket's a part of growing up, really. We played cricket since uh, primary school, uh, and cricket's always been a part of our life. So earlier, when I was a kid, cricket was only played in the, the big cities in Colombo and that kind of places. But now, uh, the cricketers, a lot of cricketers now in the national team come from very rural areas. So it's actually gone, uh, I mean, it, it's much more. Since the 1996 World Cup win, Sri Lanka's uh, just cricket's just spread like everywhere on the island. So the World Cup win helped boost Definitely, absolutely. And that sense of making the game accessible to all is being heavily supported. The suburb's new Lynn chairman, Ross Hicks, says there are no longer barriers stopping people from playing. We provide a gear bag, so you pay your registration fee, and if you paid your registration fee and you don't have gear, we will provide it. So it's not prohibitive in that you have to go out and buy a $1,000 bat and $300 pads or anything. Um, some people will do that, but if you wanted to play, you can simply just play and we will provide the gear. One of our teams, is a, we've got a Saturday T20 team that's totally Pacific Island. It's a Pacific Island team, they love it, and they obviously can't afford, necessarily afford all the, the bells and whistles, but we provide them with a gear bag with all the gear, and they play every Saturday afternoon and have a great time. Auckland Cricket runs Kilikiti tournaments in the summer, a traditional Pacific Island form of cricket. It points to the success of Ross Taylor, who is of Samoan descent, and says Pacific Island cricket is another avenue that could be developed more. But many within the game, including Black Caps coach Mike Hessen, are still adamant that five-day test cricket is the pinnacle, even with the growing popularity of other formats. I think you talk among the players and test cricket's still the pinnacle. It's still where they want to play and where they want to perform and where they want to make a name for themselves. Um, I think we realise that the beauty of cricket now is there are three forms that that fit with different groups. You know, um, there are you know a lot of families who love T20 cricket. Um, you know, a lot of families love Test cricket as well. But there's a game for everybody that suits you know their their pace and their you know what what they enjoy about the game. The team's opening batsman Tom Latham says he would rather forego the mega bucks available to players in the short form Indian Premier League to hone his Test ability. 
when I was growing up, I certainly wanted to play Test cricket. I know that's the that's the pinnacle, and you know there's there's these other forms of T20 coming out now, which are which are great fun and uh, you know awesome for the public, and you can understand why people really like watching that. You know, it's short and sharp, but certainly Test cricket for me anyway was the pinnacle of of cricket growing up, and and that's what I wanted to play. And you know, hopefully, um, the young kids hopefully they've got that mindset as well. At the moment, I'm only 23. I think you know playing something like county cricket would certainly suit me a lot better than than playing something like IPL at the moment. The New Zealand women's team no longer plays Test cricket because of a lack of player depth. The team has won the Women's World Cup once in New Zealand in 2000. The side's former captain and newly appointed coach Hayley Tiffin played in that game, and says for a brief time there was a massive knock-on effect and she is hopeful about the effects of the World Cup as well. I probably feel that it hasn't necessarily flowed on in growing numbers. Um, we probably missed an opportunity, maybe, if I'm looking back in hindsight, um, on how we could actually capitalise that. But right off the back of the black caps, it's certainly happening. Lots of more girls are picking up those cricket bats. And we do pretty well in going around schools, you know, and teaching and coaching within the classrooms or primary schools. It's just, I suppose, transitioning those experiences into girls playing or getting linked to a club. And then from there, you know, secondary school, that's that's a real crucial time for us as well. T20 for young girls, we need to perhaps look at the some of the shortened forms and being a little bit more innovative in how we can actually... Uh, engage our, our young girls in playing. She says it was a landmark moment last year when the side's top ten players were awarded annual contracts, the first time female cricketers have been paid. Oh, it's a huge step, absolutely huge step. I mean, these girls work extremely hard and they train extremely hard and they're having to balance full-time work or full-time study alongside that. So, yes, a huge step towards where we're wanting our game to go. And look, England and Australia are offered full-time contracts for their... We've got 10 contracted players. They're not full-time, but it's a step forward. It's a positive step forward. I mean, at the end of the day, it's down to the girls' you know, performance on the park as well. They play their part. It's, uh, money doesn't necessarily solve everything. It does make things a little more, I suppose, easier in some ways. It is about playing good cricket, playing a standard of cricket that people are... They're wanting to watch and are proud to watch and are proud to play. Looking to the future, Legion says venues like Hagley Oval can play a vital role in encouraging children in Canterbury to play cricket. In the lead up to the Boxing Day Test match, we had junior cricket played on the outfield here probably half a dozen times. So on a Friday night, the outfield was covered in uh, little juniors and eight to ten year old uh, children playing outdoor outfield cricket here with the parents sitting on the embankment. Uh, within two weeks of the Cricket World Cup, finishing. We had a club match out here, so Rickerton played St Albans out here in a two-day club match and we also had the final of the um, primary school girls tournament, so we had two local schools play each other out here and those girls uh, changed in the dressing rooms, so they sat where Brennan McCullum and all the black caps had sat. Legion says he's well aware of the challenges facing the sport following the World Cup but like so many, views the tournament as a springboard. An example here is that our Junior Cricket Association is in the process of putting in place a junior cricket role, and one of their main tasks will be to grab that interest and transfer that into kids playing cricket. The success of the Black Caps, it was more than the icing on the cake. You know, that, that drove everyone's interest, because if you turn it on its head, and if we hadn't started very well at all, we wouldn't have got the following we've got. Gavin Larson believes that to ensure the sport survives for years to come, there is a need for outside-of-the-box thinking. It is a different world now. If you just you know, try to capture kids and say to them, oh, look, you know, you're going to be playing between you know, 9 o'clock and midday on a, on, on a Saturday, I mean, nothing surer than that a lot of them will get turned away or certainly their mums and dads will get turned away. 
So it's abbreviating the game, it's shortening it up, it's, it's, it's utilising a whole week, not just a Saturday morning. So, look, the answer is it's, it's wide, it's varied, and there's no simple answer you can give in, in, in 30 seconds, but I do believe it, it's very, very incumbent at a regional level, a local level. It won't take much to regenerate that enthusiasm, and, and it's a simple little test I did when I was a lot younger, and I used to do cricket awareness programs for, for Cricket Wellington was that you'd go to a school assembly towards the back end of a season and get the old hands in the air and then you'd go back at an awareness time which was around August when you're looking for enrolments and you know half those hands wouldn't be up but I think if you played a video clip a 30 second video clip of the Cricket World Cup with Brendan and his guys you know performing the way they did I think you'll find all those hands in the air and then it's the big test you know we've got the hands in the air now we've got to get them onto a database and we've got to introduce them to the game the black caps now face a two-month tour of england where they haven't won a test series since 1999 the games will be played overnight new zealand time making it difficult for anyone other than the die-hard cricket fan to follow live mike hessen says news of what he hopes will be the black caps success will keep up interest in the sport until the summer in terms of his team's excellent run of form he isn't getting ahead of himself and says he won't let the team get complacent. I guess the challenge is that, you know, we finished the World Cup and it was the end of the cricket season. You know, there are different departments in New Zealand cricket that need to operate differently, but within the Black Caps we need to focus on uh, our performance and we need to focus on, as I said, just continuing uh, our improvement. You know, we're an improving side and that's certainly shown over the last 12 to 18 months, but we're, um, you know, we're not satisfied. We know we, we still need to get better. Radio New Zealand's cricket correspondent Stephen Hewson is less reserved in his assessment of the team. If we're talking one day wise, this team's got to be quite possibly the best New Zealand team that we've seen. No other New Zealand team got to the Cricket World Cup final. I mean, we think back to 1992 when New Zealand last hosted the tournament and that team was obviously very good, but it was nowhere near the class of the team that we saw contest the, the 2015 World Cup. At Auckland Airport, the Black Caps seem relaxed ahead of a lengthy flight halfway across the world. They've shown calmness both on and off the pitch in the face of massive expectations from both fans and those running the game, who believe the sport's fate ties in with the national team's form. Fewer children are playing cricket, and the popular solution is pushing a shorter form of the game, even if it means alienating some of the older traditionalists. But the window of opportunity opened by the World Cup and the Black Caps' success is unlikely to remain open for long. I'm Max Toll, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to share any thoughts, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz. Our Twitter handle is rnz underscore insight.